Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have at this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on the podcast this week is Nina Alarsuri, founder and CEO of SOPA. I studied engineering, started my career as a, in a tech role, and I said, oh my God, this is totally not for me. People is what excited me, you know, dealing with different people, diversity of people, the, you know, the different colors of people, and I wanted to be in a people business. The biggest thing that really kind of spoke to me was about the subjectivity in the, in the nature of hiring, you know. We've had industrial revolution, one, two, three, four, come and go. But hiring has still been a very, very subjective process that leads to human bias, human errors. And these biases tend to kind of screen people out rather than screen people in. And I thought it would be great to use technology to make something which is very objective, very fair. And most importantly, it finds the best match between employer and an employee. You spend a fair bit of your time and in fact, the majority of your time at work. And if you are not in the right place and the right job, you know, you're wasting your life. This is Nina. She's a geek at heart and an entrepreneur by choice. She grew up in India, close to Mumbai, the financial capital. And she worked for large companies such as ICL and Styria, but was always determined to be an entrepreneur. In 1997, she started her first company in India in HR consulting, which she then expanded across three regions into Europe, Asia Pacific and North America. She was voted Female Business Personality of the Year in Singapore, European Consultancy of the Year, European World Finance Entrepreneur of the Year, and the list goes on. Three years ago, she thought it was time to disrupt and pivot her own business before someone else would disrupt it for her. And that's how SOPA was formed. SOPA is on a mission to change the art of hiring and make sure that everybody is in the right space, in the right company, in the right role, and in the right team. And this inspired me. And hence I invited Nina to my podcast. We explore how even in today's highly automated world, people still get hired for the wrong reasons. And what's the cause of that? We also address the complexity of the problem and that it goes far beyond just fixing the inefficiencies. We also explore the big lessons that Nina learned on her entrepreneurial journey and what's required to create software products that customers don't want to live without. By listening to this podcast, you'll learn three things. Firstly, but the real value is delivered if we move from solving what is to solving what might be. 
Secondly, how solving the recruitment problem in finding the perfect fit in relevance, future loyalty and future performance provides an approach that many software solutions can actually benefit from. And thirdly, why software companies are better off when tech entrepreneurs apply an all voices heard approach. Well, hi Nina. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast today and making the time available on your, on your busy schedule. My pleasure, Tom. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, I mean, uh, I reached out to you because yeah, I'm always on the hunt for compelling stories about the value that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. You're in the HR space, actually in the recruitment space. And I got impressed with yeah, the story on your website, your mission, particularly the part around maximizing objectivity in hiring. And that's why I decided, hey, let's, let's reach out. It's been a while since I've had people on the podcast that, been in the, that are in the HR or recruitment space. So it's time for another good story there. So we're going to talk about that and you know, how, that, how that all evolved since you started the company. But before we start, a little bit about you. I mean, if you would describe yourself in two or three words as an entrepreneur or as a person, what would those words be? I would say that I am a geek at heart and an entrepreneur by choice. And I love what I do. I'm very passionate about people and impact that technology can have on people in, in, to improve lives. We are like-minded there. That's exactly what drives me as well. It's part of my purpose statements. <laughs> That's good to hear that. Well, where is the passion coming from? I mean, what's, what started that? Well, you know, I am an electronics engineer, so, so everything I see, I see through the eyes of technology and anything that is manual or, you know, which can be improved with technology, I'm always spotting that. And I studied engineering, started my career as a, in a tech role, and I said, oh my God, this is totally not for me. People is what excited me, you know, dealing with different people, diversity of people, the, you know, the different colors of people, and I wanted to be in a people business. And my first company was was an HR tech company where we were, you know, I operated there. It was a traditional HR company with executive search. I ran that for 21 years. And then four years back, I thought it's time for technology to pivot, you know, and pivot my traditional business to an online business. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it at the end. So, yeah, I mean, talking about that four years ago, what sparked that idea or what did you see in the marketplace that was screaming for a solution like you've developed. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ton, the biggest thing that really kind of spoke to me was about the subjectivity in the, in the nature of hiring. You know, we've had industrial revolution, one, two, three, four, come and go. But hiring has still been a very, very subjective process. It's very human human driven. It's done in silos. It's done. What you see as a good candidate is very different from what I see as a good candidate. And there are so many inefficiencies because of that, because it leads to human bias, human errors, and human beings, whether you like it or not, you, you might say that you are the most unbiased person, but we are born the way our brain is mapped, you know, from the experiences and through our life journey, we all have inherent biases and your, your biases are different from mine. So, I think that really spoke to me and these biases tend to kind of screen people out rather than screen people in. And I thought it would be great to use technology to make something which is very objective, very fair. And most importantly, it finds the best match between employer and an employee. Because what also kind of bothered me was you spend a fair bit of your time. And in fact, the majority of your time at work, 
And if you are not in the right place and the right job, you know, you're wasting your life, right? So happiness at work really kind of was very important for me. Yeah, I like that approach. And I completely agree with you. I mean, we, we think we don't have bias, but we have, we have a lot of bias. That's the problem. You don't see it. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. And it's where you've grown up. It's what you've experienced in your life. It's what you exactly. value. And there's so many different things in there. And I completely also agree with you that the match between employer and employee, regardless of the right skills, experiences, or all of those credentials, the moment there's no click, yeah, and um, exactly. everybody's wasting their time. And that typically ends up in like not, well, cost, unhappiness, and so on. So yeah, nice. good. So what do you believe is the opportunity if, if the world starts to use your solution? And I want to kind of make a point about that. It's called XOPA. Explain to me what it means. Okay, XOPA is X and zero stand for numbers because it's all about data at the end of the day. And PA is about predictive analytics. So we thought that was a pretty cool name and it was different. Also, it made sense because in some parts of the world, XOPA means WhatsApp people. So we thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah. So that's how we named it Zopa, yeah. I love um, the talk trigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like go back to the question. What is the opportunity if we get this right? If the, your solution is used in the right way, what do you typically see? You would see accurate hiring. First of all, accuracy in hiring. The right fit for the person to the job in terms of their skill match. But also through predictive analytics, you know, you will be able to predict if the person is going to stay in the job and in your company for at least 12 months, we call it the retention or the loyalty score. And this is more to do with the matching of the company culture and the person. And then very, very interestingly, we also predict the chances of the person being able to perform and, and the chances of how good they can perform in that role in your company environment, in that industry. So it's all about big data. The predictive analytics on retention and performance are, we have patents for that. So they are quite exclusive to us. So the other thing which are very tangible and very measurable things that companies will see is through our immense focus on automation, they will save money, they will save time. They will, you know, utilize less resources and, and utilize resources well rather than using human resources for something which is very manual or bias ridden and so on. So, yeah, yeah so... And above all, I think which is very important is the candidate experience, which is getting more and more important in today's times in the social media context. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. I mean, typically as a potential employer, you want to put your best foot forward, so to say. Yeah, the better the experience is from the start. It could even well be that your dream candidate will just say, nope, <laughs> this experience has been so horrible. I'm not going to do this. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. It happens. It's very common. Okay, so we started, we talked a little bit about the aha moment. The company started four years ago. I mean, I like the point that you said that you created patterns for two very important things, chances to perform and the chances that people stay, that loyalty score. I mean, what, about, what I'm always interested in, and I mean, it's, it's a big part of my book that I wrote, The Remarkable Effect, is like, what did you do to create dif- defensible differentiation in your solution? So are those elements your defensible differentiation and why did you pick those two well you know 
through the journey of my previous company, there are certain pain points that clearly stood out, you know, the costs of wrong hiring, and, you know, yeah. and just to share the stats on that, a company can lose close to $250,000 on an average when you have a wrong hire. This is both yeah. direct and indirect cost. So the cost of a wrong hire is, is immense. The time that people take in, in hiring, the cost of losing a good good candidate is immense you could lose that person to your competition and that could be the game changer you know exactly Um, things like that you know recruitment is more than just cv screening and just looking at resumes and doing keyword search it's about you know identifying the right person to fit your company to do the job to stay with you to grow with you to perform with you and more importantly the impact that you make on that person's life and that person contributing with their with 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 their efforts and dedication you know and motivation so if done right it can make a huge difference to a company yeah yeah, that's interesting. I mean, what I typically see with with vendors that I've that I know from the past in the recruitment space, and I think that maybe that's where it started. Is that the whole focus is always around automation, doing things faster, getting not overwhelmed with thousands of people applying for a job. And what you took is okay. I mean, that is of course sort of the common yeah base uh, problem. It's, it's what everybody expects. Yes. What I like about your solution at the end is that you started from the outcome perspective, like the thing that is super valuable to solve critical on the agenda and that's you focus your solution on exceeding expectations there which is the triangle like i describe in my book and too often it's forgotten like that yes we are in the recruitment recruitment space and we yeah i mean that's what we have to get through fast well no it's not i mean take your time because that's (laughs) the best way to Exactly. And I think, Tom, just to add another word there is recruitment also needs to be very proactive. You don't want to be hiring when you need the person. You know, you should have, Ah. as a company, you should be able to create a talent pool. You should be able to have a relationship with certain candidates who you know are rock stars. You should be able to retarget candidates rather than, you know, because if you hire when you have a crisis and you need to fill a position, you will choose from the candidate that is available to you, right? It's not that you're finding the best candidate for the job. You're finding the best candidate what's available to you. So tools like us give you a more long-term perspective about finding the right and the best matching for your company come what may instead of just reactive hiring, which is, I think, very important. It is super important, yeah. And I mean, if you give a manager a choice, okay, you don't have availability at the moment, but here's your dream candidate. I bet you that they will likely jump on that and that just exactly. organize it. <laughs> so exactly. exactly, you got it, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because when you're actually looking for people that are never available and then you compromise. Yes, precisely, precisely. Yeah, yeah. So how have you solved that particular thing then? Because is that like precisely, broader yeah. into the marketplace? Is Yeah. So the way the tool works is there's a very important part of the tool, which is called the talent pool management. So what it does is it kind of is like the central repository of everything in terms of candidates. So whether the CVs are coming in from the applications that you're posting jobs, or we have a partnership with LinkedIn. So, you know, if you post a job on Zopa, it gets broadcasted on LinkedIn and all the candidates can flow in directly into the, into the talent pool. So they don't have to go into your inboxes and you don't have to have it spread out. So it all comes into one repository. So whether it is social media, your 
career website, your job postings, LinkedIn, da 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 da. To think of immense amount of sources, everything flows into this one pool, which is called the talent pool. And as the CVs are there against the job, they are they are kind of they run the models, the algorithms run through them real time, you know, scoring them. So not only does it tell you if a candidate is well suited for the job, but interestingly. Yeah you have a very good candidate, it will also do the algorithm on the reverse, which is what are the jobs in your company, which are fantastic fit for this candidate. So it's a job to the candidate and candidate to the job. So, so you get what I'm saying? So like, you know, it's like an ongoing process and you start creating this pool of candidates. There are engagement tools, there's automated emails, there's automated scheduling. It is integrated with Teams for effective workflow. It is integrated with Zoom. So it's got, you know, it just makes your entire experience very, very seamless. So how how does that work when you're actually in the process of, for example, interviewing someone? Is the technology then like in the background working, giving advice or guiding a little bit or not? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's a modular platform and depends on what the client wants. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you a use case. For example, let's say that you're trying to hire a marketing person, you would post that job on Zopa. Now you may have a job description. So the system is able to, it's got intelligence, natural language processing. So it's able to understand the job description that you have just uploaded. So you just pull the, pull the file, it will read through it with artificial intelligence. It knows now what kind of person you're looking for. And then it goes through the talent pool that you already have generated. If not, it tells you, okay, Ron, you can actually, Ron, you can broadcast this job to the external world, your, your company website, LinkedIn, the 1200 job portals that we have integrated with, whatever, social media, everything. All of these job applications then just come and in, flow into this one place on our platform. So it's literally, there's a job, you push in a CV, and what comes out is the scores. And you get three scores, which is CV relevance, which means can the person do the job? Loyalty, which is will they stay in your company and in this job for at least 12 months? And what are their chances of performance? So the performance score. So there are three, literally three scores. And then there are sub scores, like, you know, for example, seniority match, location match, and so on. Once you've done this, we have an automated assessment platform. So you could either create an automatic workflow and say, you know what, I want the CVs to come in, the AI to score it, and then send maybe all the resumes to assessment or only certain scored people into the assessment. The assessment platform is called Room. Room can do hybrid assessment. It can do video, text-based, image-based. So it's a hybrid platform. Again, the USP compared to our competitors is the hybrid nature of the assessment because you could say that, you know what, out of the 10 questions, I want two questions to be answered in text because I want to see the written, written skills two questions in a coding format because I'm testing for a, you know, and the balance I want in video answers because I want to have a, have a feel of the person's real communication, eye contact, body language, and so on. And then, you know, out comes the scores. Now the beauty of the platform also is that you collaborate. So within the company or outside the company, you call in the collaborators who you want to get the access to. They can access it on their mobile phones, iPads, wherever, Each one of them gives the score. Nobody can see the other person's scores unless you're the admin. So we also remove that bias. And ultimately, admin can see everybody's scores. So, you know, at every stage, 
we have tried to kind of, you know, not give too much control to AI or to the humans. We've tried to balance it, you know, yeah. so that, so that it, it, it honestly is very, very fair. And it goes through multiple stages to avoid any errors. Let me make a small interruption here. Nina just explained how by doing the hard work and removing some fundamental problems, she's been able to create something better, more importantly, something different. A difference that enables her customers to develop a position of advantage and a product that they don't want to live without. Creating something different, not just better, is a key trait that defines remarkable software companies. There are 10 such traits, and this is something you can test yourself against. So if you want to see how the software company that you own, run or work for scores on a 5-star scale, go to valueinspiration.com slash remarkableindex. Alternatively, read or listen to my book The Remarkable Effect. You can find that on amazon.com. Back to the interview. Interesting. Well, I mean, using the power of, of and the human and the, and the AI is often kind of results in something that's much bigger than the sum of its components. Absolutely. It had fantastic examples already on the podcast so far but talking about kind of the whole development cycle always interesting to hear anecdotes like what had been a decision that appeared to be really important for the success that you have right now from the technology point of view well i mean from product strategy decisions that you make your go-to-market decisions that you made yeah i think the one big thing that was in our favor was because of the pivot i made from the previous company to so we had captive clients. So the product has really been, been built with client intervention. You know what I mean? With a lot of data and, hey, can you test this out? Can you check this out? What do you think of this kind of a thing? So it's really been built by live clients and it's not just been built in a garage cutaway. So, so it's been a real life product. And as we've gone along with every new client feedback, we have improved the feature, we've improved the journey. And yeah, so I think that that's been the very positive. I mean, it's also important to look at what was, what we learned as not something which is good and which is what we called as the feature bloat, you know, where you get so excited with every single feature that has been explained to you and you, you, you start pushing so many features into the product. So I think that bloat is something that we, you know, and, and we've named it really horribly so that we are aware of it. Like, you know, so, so it's yeah. very important to, to have a product which, is, which does the job and has decent features, but you also don't want to make it so feature rich that the client gets overwhelmed by the features, you know? So I think I, think I would say yeah. those two are the most important, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you like this. I mean, you should, I should recommend you to listen to the podcast that I did with Radhika Dut. She's working on a concept called Radical Products, and she has named all those diseases that you can have. I mean, I've, I've written about <laughs> it in my book as well, a number of those, yeah, traps, I would call them, yeah. And I mean, this is definitely one of them. Exactly. It's, it, listen, listening yeah. to customers is one thing, but then trying to please every customer with every feature, you create a That's horrible right. thing. <laughs> so That's totally right. That's totally yeah. right. When you went to the market and started selling this, what did you learn from this? And, and what do you believe, what was the moment where you created your tipping point where the adoption started to yeah, grow beyond what was normal? I think it's really important to get your first few believers, right? Like the, the people who bet on you, you know, the anchors who want to work with you and make it a success. So I think we were very careful about the clients that we chose who were not always 
you know, it's, it's important to have clients who challenge you, but you also don't want clients who are going to be skeptical about AI as a principle or, you know. So I think the first few clients who we worked with, who, who helped us pivot, gave us the anchor. And once we had those one or two strong referrals, their customer success, their, you know, because we, everything is tracked. We've got very strong analytics on the platform, which records the impact that the, the platform is making on your process. So, so we yeah. had tangible, we had tangible matrix to talk about that. Okay. This was amount of time you saved amount of money you saved, you know, this was the loyalty factor, the performance factor and so on. So like, you know, so you, you have, you have results to speak for itself then. And then I think that one thing led to the other. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating, of course, being a data-driven company, that the more they pull through the system, the more data you get. And that results in doing things even, well, go beyond that and create exactly. even, even more accurate services. So, but, but that also then, well, the reason why I want, want to bring up this question is one about your monetization of this. Is this, can you, or are you maybe charging based on outcomes? Or is that still something that's that something for the future? One of the people that, for example, I had on my podcast was the CEO of a company called LeadCrunch, different category in the sales business. But they charge for, yeah, I mean, for leads that are actually handed on a plate, ready to, yeah, to take the next step. And that's what, what they've been really focused on with a good product, but then also you know, optimizing and optimizing and optimizing to make sure that they deliver on what they promise. Is that right. something that you do as well? No, no. So there is, uh, you know, because it is not, it, there's a lot of automation, which cannot, I mean, you can, of course, measure it by, by the amount of time you save and about the manual processes that you're eradicating. But there are a fair, fair bit of things on that which are not measurable. But of course, the way the pricing works is you only pay for what you use, you know, so that that's one. And then the more the number of applications and the candidates, so, you, you know, it kind of grows with your usage. So it's yeah. not that you're so it's a little bit like an Azure or an AWS model where the more you sure. use, the more you pay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the utility model. Pay for the volume this goes through. Well, it might be something that the moment your algorithm gets so accurate that you can actually, yeah, guarantee the right hires, that that's the way you, uh, because that's a win-win to everybody at the end. But it also requires a customer that is prepared for that. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> yeah. So I mean, I referred a couple of times to my book. I'm always interesting to hear from the tech entrepreneurs that I've got on my podcast, what they believe are, are key traits to create a, a company that people talk about. Uh, so what is your view on this? Um, well, the first thing is, of course, the management team. And I'm not saying it's just the founder. I think it's the founder, the co-founder, and the initial management team. The quality of that team is just so important on, I mean, again, it's all about people. So I'm all about people at the end of the day. And I think the right minds come together. No one person makes the company or breaks the company, you know, so you need to have a really good team, which is in sync and is passionate about the cause. So I think that cause is very, very important. What are you trying to do? It's not just about the product, but what is the, what is the impact that you're trying to create in, you know, to the lives of the other companies or people. And yeah. So what is the impact? I think over a period of time, as people, what drives us is really, you know, the passion behind the cause, you know, the cause that, so that keeps us going, you know, because, you know, it's not easy 
startups are not easy. Yeah, I mean, it's as much as people might think it's very glamorous, but it is hard work. And you need to have very, very strong shoulders, you know, so yeah. you need to have like minded people who constantly motivating each other. So you have a positive impact. The other thing, of course, is that, you know, you need to have a founder who's quite fearless, you know, so who has the courage to go through all through all the COVIDs and all the September 11th and the dot-com bus and the, and name it. I mean, every four or five years, there's something that comes through, you know, so yeah. you need to have somebody with a with very, very strong heart, you know, so finally, I think it is about the product, you know, once you have a good team, a good founder, I think it's also about the product, it should be relevant for the times. It should be understandable, digestible, so that you can explain it. And you, don't, you yourself don't get lost in the complexity of the product. And it should be scalable. You know, digitization is all about scale. And so I think it has to be relevant for the times that you are in, for today, for tomorrow, and day after tomorrow. True. Otherwise, you can go out of business very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, a lot of companies start off on a big idea and, and then get to that point, get their first customers, and they say, hey, we have success. And then they say, let's start to harvest from here. And then they become what I call complacent. And yeah. that relevance then suddenly disappears. Okay. That's super dangerous. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like your points that you made. And uh, I mean, the point about understandable. <laughs> Don't get me talking about that one. <laughs> <So it's, laughs> yes. Yeah, well, so, so what are you most proud of achieving so far? Is there maybe a customer anecdote that's, yeah, that, that just you keep telling? Oh, I have a lot to be proud of. I think I'm super proud of my team. Oh, my God. You know, they work super hard. I mean, first, I think I'm really, really proud of my team. I think they've built, they've built a product. And my, you know, my product team has built an amazing product. My data science has done some amazing predictions. And my sales team is able to transport that across and made the clients understand. In terms of clients, I think, you know, of course, you never make a distinction between your children, I suppose. So similarly, with clients as well, you know, all clients are amazing. But I love the work that we are doing with the governments across a couple of you know nations at that government level, creating that impact, especially in the current COVID times when unemployment is a big, big question at the moment. So we are working with a few government agencies to help at the country level with the unemployment through AI on how we could remove the clutter, remove the noise and very quickly help the employers and the employees come together. So that gives me a you know great, yeah. I feel great about it. But also another new initiative is we are working to use our platform again because of the fact that it removes biases on improving employment and employability for people with autism and other neurodiverse conditions. So nice. ADHD, autism, Asperger's and so on. I'm super proud about that, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to be proud of. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fascinating as well because yeah, these people always have lesser chances. And uh, we say, well, we don't have, well, people respond to it in their way. And there's currently a, a television program in the Netherlands that's giving people that suffer from, what do you call it, dementia? Or people that, that lose their memory. Their, their memory. <laughs> Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, there's a television program that allows these people to work in a pretty fancy restaurant and you see them grow. Yeah, it's fascinating. So Absolutely. I can imagine that you get a lot of joy from helping out and solve these type of yeah, humanitarian issues. Totally. I so, think, I, you know, being first of all female and it all started off in my previous company about gender diversity, you know, yeah. and then it 
reached out to racial diversity. And I think now we are so beyond all of that. It's all about inclusion. And I think it's inclusion on all diversities, not just gender, racial, or, but it's also about neurodiversity and, and, you know, really having all voices in your company being heard, because I think it only benefits the company with the kind of different, when you listen to everybody's say in the, you know. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and it's good to address that. And if we have the technology to solve those problems, let's use them by all means. Absolutely done. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, one of the the questions that always fascinate me too in terms of kind of getting, getting, hearing the answers, what has been your biggest business regret? Like, what would you do different next time? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to be again saying the same, probably you've heard this before, but you know, this is my second venture, right? So yeah. I've made a lot of mistakes in my first venture. I'm just hoping that I can use all that wisdom and my experience and my bad <laughs> regrets in this venture. So in the previous one, I formed that company when I was less than 30 years old. And, you know, I was like, you know, it was all about revenues and clients. I think I'm older and more sensible now. It's not just, I mean, of course, it's all about revenues and making your business viable, but I think it's also about company culture, the values that you inculcate in your company, you know, the atmosphere that you create. Also things like, you know, fiscal management. And I think in my previous company, again, I was all about growth, growth, growth. And, you know, till we were hit by the dot-com bust. And then you realize cash is a king, you know? So, So I think, I think I can very safely say that having had that previous venture, I'm hoping that I institutionalize all the learnings from that experience and, and utilize that this time around. Yeah. Do you also mean then that, that your focus has focused, what you typically hear is companies are focused on re- profit and revenue first or value, value for customers first and then revenue and profit will come. Did, did that change? 100%. You know, yeah. and I think like I definitely believe that, you know, if you if you're making an impact, if you're you, you should have a product where the clients want it, you know, it should be that they can't live without it. Like you need to be that kind of desirability. No, no, I know no, that's maybe like, it's even beyond that. It's not that they can't live without it, but that they don't want to live without it. Don't want because, to. Because I mean, there's also there's also negative to can't live without it because then you're locked in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, true, true, exactly. You're totally right. And I think it's all about first, I think if you're creating the value, if you're making a difference and you are, your product speaks for what you stand for, money will come, revenues will come. Of course, you have to do what you have to do as a business. You know, nothing, uh, there's no idealistic situation. You got to, you got to fire from all cylinders, whether it's product, customer success, customer experience, sales, revenues, marketing, blah, 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 blah. But you are totally right. Ultimately, what gives you the value is the impact that you're creating and the difference you're making. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and I mean, one of the final questions from all the lessons that you've learned, if you would have to give, maybe, yes, what is an advice that you've received yourself or an advice that you would like to give to other entrepreneurs or people that want to be an entrepreneur or that want to grow themselves? What, what advice would you share with them? Well, I would say that, first of all, you've got to kind of believe in what you're doing. You know, this is, if you are in it, you are in it for good. 
you know, don't look over your shoulder for a plan B. There is no plan B in entrepreneurship. So you need to be very sure when you're doing something and you are totally committed wholeheartedly and put, give you a hundred percent to it. You've got to believe in it. You have the courage to go with it. Surround yourself with the best team possible. Get people who are better than you. You know, there is no politics in entrepreneurship. You know, there is no one-upmanship. You know, everybody's there for, for the same cause. So get people who are better than you. You know, listen, you know, everybody's, you don't have all the ideas as a founder. You're not the sure. only one with the ideas. You know, you've got people who've got amazing ideas. So listen and be inclusive, you know, and have a good culture in the company so that everybody grows together and you're all aligned because there are going to be so many pivots, so many pivots. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's constantly changing. And if you're not aligned as one team, you're going to kind of find it very difficult, you know, to make all those changes. So life is constantly changing in an entrepreneurship. You know, today your product may be super relevant tomorrow, you know. Ah, we've company. seen what happens with COVID. Some exactly. companies that were thriving before are, are starving right now and, and exactly the opposite around as well. So that's right. wise advice. So what is next for you? Where do you want to take uh, XOPA in the next 12 to 24 months? I think it's all about, again, growth. I think we are in that scale-up mode right now. Till last year, we were very startup, but now we are at the scale-up mode. For me, the biggest focus is scale. You know, scaling directly, scaling indirectly. We're, we're going into a massive partner model scheme. So we're going to be working with a lot of channels, a lot of partners. So scale, scale, scale is the big thing. And continue to make an impact and make sure that we are at least 18 months ahead of competition and keep filing those patents. Good. Love that. We could have a completely different uh, discussion on that, that topic alone, but let's leave it for the future. Where can people go and find out more about your company, Xopa? And where can they go best to say hi to you? Yeah, it's www.zopa.com and Zopa is spelled as X-Zero-P-A. So it's not difficult to remember it. It's very different. And if they send an email to info or nina at zopa.com, that's as simple as that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Fascinating uh, conversation we had, and uh, I like the way yeah you're grounded in being an entrepreneur and, and what you stand for. I like your solution and how you really focused on the outcome of the customer first and making a difference there. So I think there's plenty of nuggets here for other people to learn from and, and see what's possible if you put the dedication in. Thanks. Thank you, Ton. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Likewise. And this ends my interview with Nina. I hope you enjoyed it. And if that's the case, please leave a review on iTunes and share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thanks for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Nina Alagsuri, founder and CEO of SOPA. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. 
And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.